You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. Thanks for listening to this BJSM podcast. And it's a pleasure to be with Phil Newman, who published an important paper in the September BJSM. And he'll tell us about that. Phil is at the University of Canberra in the Department of Physiotherapy. He sees patients a couple of days a week. And he works closely with the military, which is where he developed this particular research on leg pain. Phil, thanks for joining the BJSM podcast. That's a pleasure. And tell us about leg pain in the military situation, and then that'll lead us into your study. Sure. Well, it's a um, it's a big problem because these uh, this is a trainee population that uh, the study focused on, and you know they're constantly having to pass various fitness tests and trials. They obviously can't do that when they've got ongoing leg pain. So our experience was that they'd develop this condition and it would be very hard for them to uh, recover in time for the next test. And you worked with the military, so it's an unusual situation because you get access to a lot of people ahead of when they get their injury. And so how can clinicians learn from that? I guess I was very fortunate in that I had um, uh, access to a, a very comprehensive injury surveillance database um, and so in, in that way we were able to you know, collect some data about cadets when they first arrived at the academy and then follow them for up to five years uh, later on and, and track their injuries and that, that was really how we were able to look at these associations. And so tell us about the shin palpation test and the shin edema test. And don't assume that our listeners are able to access the BJSM right now because they're probably driving to the beach or going paragliding or something. And so listening to you on a podcast, so you need to take them through these two tests without them going to any other resources. Sure. Well, um, I mean, these two tests really were tests that I, I would use to make the diagnosis of MTSS. And they, the shin palpation test is simply palpating the musculature on the posterior medial aspect of the tibia and looking for any tenderness, tightness within that, those structures. And the shin edema test is just a, a push and hold on the medial uh, facet of the tibia and looking for any remaining divot or impression that's left there that may indicate bony edema lying on the surface of that bone. Um, so as simple as that, quite quite quick and easy to perform. Um, and in my experience, um, those tests and symptoms with running really were the clinical diagnosis of, of MTSS. Okay. And then what did you discover in your research? So w what we discovered was actually that um, these people didn't have the condition at all and actually didn't go on to um, develop that condition for quite some time. So the, the analysis that we did initially, you know, we did just to test our stats package, really, um, because we thought we knew the answer. We thought that um, you know, those that were positive to these tests um, would get, that, get, get MTSS within the next few days or, or weeks. But we were actually quite wrong. In fact, 70% um, of the sore shins never actually developed MTSS symptoms over the next 16 months. I expected there would be quite a significant difference between those who tested negative 
who developed the condition and those who tested positive and developed the condition. In terms of the days to onset, I thought we would just be catching them um, very close to development of symptoms. But in actual fact, there was no difference whatsoever. In fact, um, people weren't developing the condition for some five or six months after testing. And so that suggested to us that, well, actually, these tests aren't, aren't exactly diagnostic, but maybe are much more powerful as predictors of those individuals who might develop MTSS. I'm driving along and I'm listening, I'm saying, okay, so the test, the usual tests for diagnosing medial tibial stress syndrome don't actually do that in the short term, but they do select out a group who are going to get medial tibial stress syndrome, right? Yeah, certainly. So so the, the shin palpation test alone um, is is really not a, a great predictor, but combined with shin edema test is, is seems to be very powerful in predicting those who who will go on to develop the condition. So the shin palpation test, um, we found the positive likelihood ratio about three times, three and a bit times more likely to develop the condition if they're um, tender on palpation of the shin. They're about seven times more likely to develop the condition if they are positive on the shin edema test and closer to eight times more likely uh, if both of those tests are positive at the same time. Fantastic. So that's really helpful in those settings of the military. Do you think this applies to track athletes and other groups who do a lot of running? I think it certainly does and um, that, that's where I want to look to take these tests uh, further. Um, I don't think there are a lot of differences between um, the you know, track and field type athletes and, and the military in terms of uh, their demands of, of training. Uh, so I think they could be very, uh, very useful in, in the broader population. Okay. So that really has been a terrific new finding because people haven't followed these sort of groups forward from any physical examination tests like this. So why don't you summarise it for us in a 30-second snap we can put on national television? <laughs> All right. I guess most importantly, it's, it's the implications of this study are that uh, these particular tests, the shin palpation test, shin edema test, seem to be very useful predictors of those who are susceptible or at risk of developing MTSS. And that um, makes these tests a very useful form of screening for people who are about to embark on a, a running program or a military career. They're very easy to apply, very cheap, um, and they probably provide um, an early warning sign of what might be coming, as well as a, a way of monitoring uh, how someone's travelling in, in their recovery. And I think potentially these tests could be done as a, as a self-test, not just um, therapist-applied, but that needs to be confirmed down the track. Now, Phil, that's fantastic information, and listeners will be interested in treatment of shin pain, which can be frustrating, of course, and we have another podcast by Mark Hutchinson with his opinions. But what tips do you have for clinicians who are struggling to treat medial tibial stress syndrome? And if you want to get into exertional compartment syndrome, that's fine too. Sure. 
I, I guess uh, getting the diagnosis right in the beginning is, is important. I don't think it's a difficult diagnosis to make. It's just that there are a number of other conditions that can coincide and, and masquerade. So I, I sort of think of this um, chronic exertional leg pain as a series of Venn diagrams that are slightly overlapping where you'd have your chronic exertional compartment syndrome, your medial tibial stress syndrome, and then probably outside that, um, popliteal artery entrapment syndrome, and also um, eliminating uh, frank stress fracture. But once you've done that, you've then got to really sort of look at look at uh, probably the biomechanics. I think is where I'm I'm heading now with these clients. I mentioned earlier in the podcast, rest is best, but that's often difficult for this group. And so I think where I'm, where I'm heading now, having tried all sorts of uh, interventions from you know, bracing, taping, insoles, massage, stretching, uh, I'm probably heading much more down the line of, of looking at uh, running technique and foot strike pattern and uh, looking broadly at the global systems, you know, lumbar spine, hip, etc., to see what contributions and causative factors might be um, contributing overall to the condition. And that reminds me of Andy Franklin Miller's podcast as well for listeners who want to follow up on the biomechanics issue further. And do you use orthotics, Phil? I have uh, used orthotics quite a bit uh, and with some success. Uh, I note that um, you know systematic reviews have come out suggesting that there, there may be a role uh, for orthotics. I... Um, I also note that you know, foot posture doesn't seem to have a, a relationship to, to this condition. Um, but I guess in clinical practice, it's, it's not all about having um, highest level evidence to inform your practice. You, you, um, you, you trial things and, uh, and customise for the individual and see what works. Lastly, on treatment, Phil, we can't go without discussing the barefoot running phenomenon. How is it going? I'm getting... I'm sure you're getting a lot of queries on that and uh, discussing it with patients and other folks. What's your take? I'm yet to really uh, form a, a strong opinion on that, but I guess that's, um, that's part of what I'd like to investigate f- further. We have a, a unique uh, scenario in the Australian Defence Force where we take in um, cadets from the region and uh, very interestingly the cadets that have had a barefoot upbringing, this is anecdotal evidence here, they they tend not to develop uh, these conditions. And so I think there may be something in this, um, that the adaptations that occur from unshod running and walking compared to our Western, uh, you know, well-cushioned, well-protected feet, I think there may be something in that. Fantastic. I'm happy to leave it there on this BJSM podcast. It's a pleasure having you on the call. And for listeners, there are obviously a series of over 50 podcasts on the BJSM site. Take a look at those on our homepage. And you can follow us on Twitter, which will give you regular updates of what's happening on the BJSM site, including new podcasts. And that address is at BJSM underscore BMJ. Our Facebook page is active and we look forward to your suggestions through these social media sites as well. Thanks for joining BJSM. 
For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.